0: Well, hello my friends, welcome to Hope For Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad you're joining me today for part two, our promised inheritance. You know what that is, heaven. An article caught my eye the other day. It was entitled, A Woman's Obituary is a Resume for Heaven. Beatrice Fuderick decided that she was gonna write a resume for heaven as her obituary. Well, she finally passed away at age 94. And uh, the Winnipeg Free Press printed the resume in its entirety. I'll share a part of it with you. It starts, Dear Lord, please accept my application for eternal life. My resume is as follows. Now, she divided her obituary into sections just like you would on a real resume. And there's a section on objectives and references and training and experience and volunteer work and hobbies. And well, Beatrice gave a summary of her life history saying that she was born on October twenty second, 1927, to loving parents Eugene and Alfred. I have left my daughter Michelle, her husband Perry, my granddaughter Callie, and many nieces and nephews on earth, as there are no openings for them in heaven just yet. She started to share her memories, saying, Lord, you know, as a teacher, I never had any teacher's pets Rather, I put my heart into teaching those with learning challenges or difficult family situations. It was here that I felt like I did my best work. I also continued volunteer work, knitting scarves for the underprivileged children. Well, summing up her resume, she added, Now, Lord, I hope that you will find that I have met my objectives and I deserve a place in your heavenly home. You know where to find me to further discuss my qualifications. Well, sadly, this is how many good people plan to arrive in heaven on the basis of good works and good intentions. But scripture is clear. Titus 3.5, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. Well, today I want to talk about the inheritance that we have, the inheritance that we have not because we deserve it, the inheritance that we have not because we've earned it, the inheritance that is given to us that Peter says is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Paul tells us in Ephesians that we were included in Christ when we heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. This gift that is given to us, this imperishable inheritance, is a result of the gospel of our salvation. Paul says it was given to us when you believed. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. I guess you could say the Holy Spirit is evidence that I'm going to one day have this future inheritance in heaven. I'm receiving part of that inheritance now through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14 of Ephesians 1, with a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance into the redemption of those who are in God's possession to the praise of his glory. So there's some confidence that we have that we're going to receive this inheritance, this imperishable gift. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So at the point of salvation, you heard the truth, you heard the gospel, and when you believed you are marked in him with a seal. That is the seal of the Holy Spirit. You know, you could look at Ephesians chapter one and say, this is where I'm saved. That's where I'm sealed. This is where I'm secure. And this is where I'm sealed by the spirit. That's what God does for us. You know, Queen Elizabeth II really modeled genuine faith in Christ. On June 2nd, 1953, in the splendor of, of Westminster Abbey, a 25-year-old woman knelt before the Archbishop of Canterbury to seal the oaths that she had just sworn. And here was the oath. Will you, to your power, cause law and justice and mercy to be executed in all of your judgments? He asked. I will, said Queen Elizabeth, when she died on September the 8th of 2022. Flags in Europe and Canada and America were at half-mast. Brazil declared three days of mourning. Australia's Prime Minister wept on live television. Jamaica announced 12 days of public tribute. Other nations, too, too numerous to name, followed suit. Well, why did she have such a powerful impact over the globe? Well, I think the most basic answer is because her faith in Jesus was real and it was deep. In her first Christmas broadcast, going way back to 1952, the newly enthroned queen asked, pray for me that God may give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises I shall be making and that I may faithfully serve him and may serve you all the days of my life. In 2016, she said, Billions of people now follow Christ's teaching and find in Him the guiding light for their lives. I am one of them. In her 2020 Christmas broadcast, she noted, For me, the teachings of Christ and my personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. She also expressed her love for the Bible. She asked, to what greater inspiration and counsel can we turn than to the imperishable truth to be found in this treasure house, the Bible? She maintained a lifelong friendship with Billy Graham, who once said, No one in Britain has been more cordial toward us than Her Majesty, Queen Elizabeth II. In an article in Christianity Today, it summed up her roles using these words. The queen demonstrated how to keep one's Christian faith personal, private, inclusive, and compassionate while serving a global public role under intense scrutiny from virtually every sector. Would to God we had the capacity to live as she did, but we do. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are motivated by the fact that we have an imperishable gift that is given to us, made available through Jesus Christ. There's something else that we notice about this inheritance it is also unfading. That inheritance is secured by Christ Himself. You know, if you've ever taken a loan, they want something that is put up for security. Either you have some savings or you have a house or you have something that you can secure your loan with so that if you default on your loan, the bank has something that they can take to get their money back. In Ephesians 1.18, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And so Paul here is reminding us that we have a glorious inheritance that is given to us and secured by Christ himself. It is unfading. You know, when you think about things fading, you paint something and it might be a beautiful bright red color and then the sun beats on it for a few years and then all of a sudden it's turned into more of a pinkish color because it faded. Well, our inheritance is not going to fade. It's going to have all the splendor and all the glory that is given to us. It is imperishable. It is unfading and it is undefiled. That means it's only going to be received by holy people. Now look what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person such as a person who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, as I read that verse, I'm reminded what else Paul said. He says, such were some of you prior to conversion. You see, the only way an unholy people can get into a holy heaven is by becoming holy. That is that we are changed because of what Christ has done for us. We're not going to get into heaven As unholy people. It is only through the blood of Jesus Christ that we are going to go to heaven. So, I want to spend the rest of our time talking about the beauty of heaven. Here's some promises about heaven. Number one, heaven is a real place, and Jesus is preparing a place for us to live there with Him. You know, heaven is not just a figment of somebody's imagination, heaven is not a suspension from reality, heaven is a real place. Now, Jesus comforted his disciples with these very powerful words as he gathers them together at the Last Supper, just before he's to take that journey to the cross. And these words still hold great power and great comfort to us, and they provide an immense source of peace in our troubled times. Jesus said, John 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. You know, I quote that verse to my wife, that part of her, I Now, honey, I don't let your heart be troubled. And she says, Well, my heart is troubled. Uh, and maybe you feel that way today. Well, your heart is troubled. How do I get rid of a heart that is troubled? Jesus says, You believe in God, believe also in me. You know why we get troubled? It's because we're putting our confidence in ourselves. We're troubled because we've lost control over something. You know, in reality, we have so little control over things. Believe in God believe also in me, says Jesus. My Father's house has many rooms, many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, Jesus said this 2,000 years ago. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Can you imagine how beautiful heaven is going to be? It took him six days to make the creation that we know today, the heavens and the earth and the animals and all that we enjoy in this creation. Just six days it took uh, God to make this. Can you imagine? How beautiful heaven is going to be. Jesus has been working on it for 2,000 years. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. So heaven is real. That's a real place, a place that we will go to. We know where it's located. The Bible talks about three heavens. There is the sky that we see. That's where the birds fly. There is the atmosphere beyond where the birds fly. That is called space. That is called the second heaven. And then the third heaven is beyond outer space. Uh, It was kind of humorous when the Russians sent up a space shuttle up into the sky. They went up there and said, well, we don't see heaven. Well, they didn't get up far enough. They only made it to the second heaven. And if they could have made it to the third heaven, they would have been consumed, right? They didn't make it that far. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm coming back. Isn't it good to know that Jesus is coming back? Just as he came the first time, he's coming again, and he says, when I come back, I'm going to take you with me, that you may be with me wherever I am. So heaven is a real place, and Jesus is preparing a place for us to live there with him. Here's the second thing about heaven, and these are promises that you can go to bank on. It is amazing, and it it's more than our minds can perceive. You know, I think about Disney, and and years ago, I took my family to Disney when they were young, and I remember my oldest said, hey, Dad, this is cool. Disney is like heaven. Well, there was a lot of creativity that Walt Disney has used in building his empire, but it's not heaven. Paul says, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. So we can't fathom how great heaven's going to be. It's beyond our wildest imaginations. Our mind cannot perceive the beauty of heaven. For those who have trusted Christ as Savior, as Lord, we're promised an incredible future, an eternity with Him. Just knowing that this life is not all there is can give us the perseverance. To carry on through the toughest of times. You know, I got to admit, some days I, I ask myself, is it worth it, right? Is it worth doing the broadcast? Is it worth serving the Lord? Is it worth writing another sermon? Is it worth going to another worship service? Is it worth serving somebody else? I, I want you to know that when you're going through tough times, remember your future. You see, we have so much to look forward to. The Bible talks more about the free gift of Christ and the forgiveness and the new life that he alone can offer. And what is it all about? What is the expectation? You know, it's a reminder. Stay alert. Stay active. Sharing the light, sharing the love, wherever you go, because the world needs hope. You know, life is short. I'm getting ready to celebrate another birthday. I can't believe how old I am, right? Time goes by fast. Uh, So let's use our days wisely so that we may have more of a chance to hear God's truth now and experience heaven one day. so we've learned that heaven is a real place where real people go and spend a real eternity. Jesus is preparing that place for us to live there with him. Heaven is an amazing place that is more than our minds can conceive. Number three, heaven is a place of true joy and freedom. No more death, no more suffering, no more pain. Now, if you want a lot of information about heaven, read Revelation 21. This is what John the Revelator said in verses three and four. It says, they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Oh, I love this next little phrase. He will wipe away Every tear from their eyes. There'd be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the older order of things has passed away. Now, I don't know about you, but that brings so much joy. No more death. You know, as a pastor, I do a lot of funerals. About 10 years ago, I stopped counting how many funerals I did. I did over 200 funerals 10 years ago. I probably have done four or 500 funerals. Uh, I hate the fact that we die. But in heaven, no more death, no more mourning, no more pain. You know, the older I get, the more people I have on the other side. I think I have more people in heaven that are living up in heaven now that I love than here on this earth. God will be with us and and he will wipe away our tears for the very last time. You see, heaven is a place of joy and gladness and, and freedom and life there's something else about heaven and maybe you've been wanting to transform your body and if you're like me the transformation has been very slow and uh you know as I gotten older uh my chest has done dropped into my drawers and and I have a hard time keeping the weight off and and you know as you get older you you experience pain and and so you try to do things to compensate and you learn as you get older uh a lot of things hurt and what doesn't hurt doesn't work anymore uh, but when we get to heaven our bodies will be transformed. Paul says, First Corinthians chapter 15, another amazing passage of Scripture, says, There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. When the perishable, that's the earthly body, has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. You see, our bodies will be transformed. We're going to have a glorified body in heaven. Some people may wonder, well, when is this going to happen? I believe it happens right after the rapture of the church, when we are caught up to meet the Lord in the sky. And the reason I think that is because 1 Thessalonians tells us that the dead in Christ shall also rise and meet us in the air. Why are the dead in Christ rising? I thought they were all already in heaven. Well, their soul is already in heaven. Now their body is being raised, so they can get their glorified body. So death has been swallowed up in victory. The sting of death has been removed. We are no longer living with the earthly body we now have a heavenly body, a body that is uh, without pain, without disease, without eyeglasses and hearing aids and and all that we have to use in our lives today. Well, there's something else about heaven. You know, it's a beautiful place. It is beautiful in a whole new environment that we have never experienced prior to going to heaven. And what makes it so new is that God dwells there, and he makes all things new. Look what it says in Revelation 21, verses 18 and 19. It says that the walls are made of jasper, the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stones. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, and and each gate made of a single pearl. The great street, the city of pure gold, was like transparent glass. The glory of the Lord God gives it light, and the Lamb is its light, or its lamp. Now, it's an amazing when you think about it. John also tells us that the gates of heaven will never be shut because there's going to be no night there. There's going to be nothing impure. There'll be no shame, no deceit but only those whose names were written in the land's book of life will be in heaven. I wish I was more articulate and able to communicate the beauty and the majesty of heaven. As I'm thinking about the streets that are paved in pure gold, I heard a humorous story about a man who wanted to take some treasures to heaven and And he was debating back and forth with God. Now, this is a fictional account, obviously. And God says, well, you know, we don't usually let you bring anything from the earth. Uh, You leave it all behind. Uh, But the man was insistent. He says, how about if I just bring one suitcase with me to heaven? And finally, God says, okay, I tell you what, I don't need you to do this, but you've been so insistent. You can take one suitcase and you can load it up with whatever you can fit in that one suitcase. And so sure enough, He loaded up that suitcase with bars of pure gold. Oh, it weighed a ton. But when he died, he carried that suitcase up with him to heaven. And uh, the thing weighed a ton. It was really weighing him down. And he he got to the pearly gates, and Peter met him there. And and Peter saw that he had a suitcase and said, I'm sorry, uh, you can't bring anything with you to heaven. And the man uh, said, well, I talked to God, and he says he's going to make an exception uh, for me. And uh, he, he's going to let me carry this one suitcase into heaven. And so uh, after a little bit of time of reluctance, Peter says, okay, uh, before you go, and, uh, let me open up the suitcase and see what's in it. And he opens up the suitcase and he sees these bars of pure gold. And he says to the man, are you fool? You had a suitcase and you could have brought anything you wanted and you bring asphalt up to heaven. Uh, this place is paved with pure gold so many times as I think about the beauty of heaven, it far exceeds our expectations. You see, heaven is real, and so is hell. Jesus spent more time talking about the reality of hell than he did the reality of heaven. You know, he didn't talk about it to scare us. I didn't talk about it to stir up strife. He told us of heaven and of hell, too so that we could make the best choice of where we want to spend eternity. You know, and it comes down to just that. It's a choice. We can know for a fact that as most people want to joke about hell as one big party, it's not going to be a party. Just as heaven is a place of light and freedom, hell is a place of darkness, despair, and suffering. If you're listening to this right now, and you're not sure where you will spend eternity, Take a few minutes and talk with God and get things straightened out with Him. Don't wait. You see, we're not promised tomorrow. So here's the truth. Christ came to set us free. He chose to die on the cross. He was willing to do that for you and for me so that we can be forgiven of of all the sins that we've done and all the wrongs that we've done in our lives, and we can receive the gift of eternal life. Now, that is true freedom. You see, so many times people think that freedom is the absence of any kind of constraint. No, freedom is living out to the fullest the purpose that God has designed you for. You think about a fish. A fish may say, Well, I want to be free of the water. And the moment he gets out of that water, he begins to die. You see, he had freedom, but it wasn't the freedom. It wasn't true freedom. He had true freedom when he was in the environment that God had placed him. You see, Jesus came. He was buried. He was placed in a tomb. But he didn't stay dead. He is now in heaven. He is up with God, and he has defeated death. So today, you can put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He will save you. He will forgive you over your sins. Just call upon his name. Say, Lord, I believe I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross. I believe that you were buried and rose again three days later. I put my faith and trust in you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and save my soul. Now listen, if you just prayed that and you meant it from the bottom of your heart, would you shoot me a text message? Just last Sunday, I had six or seven people pray to receive Christ in our service. Would you shoot me a text and say, hey, I just pray to receive Christ. The number is 252-267-2365. I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you to get connected in a good Bible-believing church where you can grow in your faith. If it's not too far for you to drive out to Hickory Ridge Community Church, we're only probably 45 minutes from your house if you live in South Hampton Roads. We'd love to have you come and join us this Sunday for worship. You know, you grow better together. You grow in a body of believers. That's how we get stronger. That's how we get the fellowship that we need. And so I want to invite you to come and worship with us this weekend at 9 o'clock or 1045. Thank you so much for joining me for this broadcast. I'm going to give you that number one more time. If I can pray for you, you can shoot me a text, 252-267-2365.